Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Our Next Guest Is. Hello and welcome to another Our Next Guest Is. This is a conversation where we meet the country's leading speakers and entertainers in the corporate and events world and find out what makes them tick. My name's Michael Pope and I'm here with Carson White from Leading Voice. Carson, who is our next guest? Our next guest created his first business at the age of 20 and sold it at 21. He then went on to build one of Australia's largest entertainment and design companies. He holds the accolade of being a show director for Australia's largest ever corporate event and he's one of only a handful of people in Australia to ever receive the Outstanding Contribution Award from Meetings and Events Australia. Fabulous. A few years ago, on a motorbike, he travelled around the country and met up with some of the most creative, influential and successful business people around. The lessons he took from them, added to his own vast experience, he now passes on to you. As the author of The Game of Inches, please welcome Nigel Collin. Good morning. Good morning, Nigel. I'm sorry, but that intro was so long, we have no more time. Okay, well, that's good. (laughs) I'm happy with that. See you later. Thanks for having me. Let's cut to to the chase with the game of inches. Does this mean that I can't just have one great big idea and that'll solve all my problems? What it means is uh, coming up with the one big idea and disrupting your entire industry in a foul swoop is incredibly difficult and hard. Mm. Um, And if you look at any organisational person who's succeeded, you know, if they're business or Olympian or whatever – what you find is the way they get there is one step at a time, one inch at a time. So if you do have the big, audacious idea... Right, and don't think I haven't. No, I'm sure that you do because <laughs> you made me sign a document saying <laughs> I wouldn't mention it. Good. Um, but to get there, you've got to go one step at a time. Right. Right? So it's, it's the game of inches. It's the small things that make the big things happen. And you articulated this after one kilometre at a time of travelling around the country. What prompted that motorbike trip? You know what it was? I, I just... Because I grew up in the, uh, the conference and business event space and yeah. I was in a, at a conference listening to – and I don't even know who it was. Some guy talking about if you're going to be creative, you've got to be like Steve Jobs. Right. And, and I remember I'm not Steve Jobs. Mm. You know, the guy's a freak. And the fact is, you know, having worked with a lot of really creative people and a lot of, you know, CEOs of companies over time, it's often the meek, mild, quiet person in the corner who comes up with the killer idea. Right. So I actually just – I got my back up. And I, I wanted to prove it wrong. I wanted to prove that we are more clever and more creative than we give ourselves credit for, or more importantly, than we give other people credit for. Um, and so I just had this notion of jumping on my motorbike and mm. heading out into the wilderness. And as I literally uh, discovered clever people, I interviewed them. And that's kind of how it started. So it was a bit of a it was a bit of a big idea in its own right. Indeed. Nigel, you've been on stage most of your life. You were yep. a professional actor for many years and still are a professional actor, I believe. You evolved into uh, the role of a business MC facilitator. Yep. Uh, and that was why you had absurd entertainment. That's right, yep. Uh, and then you discovered speaking. What was the driver for that? Well, I, it was kind of a reinvention, if you like. I, you're correct. I was an actor for many, many years, but I was a competent actor. Well, um, were you uh, in Home and Away? Th- look, I was. Oh, there um, you go. So you are a real actor. Uh, well, <laughs> a, paid yeah. a, a paid actor. Oh, yeah, paid actor. Yeah. And, and uh, anyway, there's a whole other podcast for you. Right. If you look me up on um, IMBD, which is the actor's kind of bio, yeah. there's only one credit that I've got on there. Um, and that was a thing called Naked with Hugo Weaving, which I was incredibly <laughs> proud of. And if you watch it, if you can ever find it, I'm not in a single scene. I was completely cut, <laughs> cut out. but I still get the credit that's, for it. That's it. That's it. So 
Consequently, you know, I, I obviously started an entertainment business and we started to design entertainment and I kind of got inquisitive with acting because uh, with presenting and speaking because I was an okay actor but I wasn't Russell Crowe. Right. But I learnt pretty quickly that I was, I was a good presenter mm. and I'm good live. And so I just kind of naturally fell into it. And, you know, it was sort of the thing clients would come and go, do you know anyone who could do this? And I just went, well, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll do, do that. that. I'll do that. And, I, and I was I, on Home and Away. That's it. I could do that. You know, I've done a scene with Isla Fisher. What more do you want? <laughs> um, not a very good scene, but, you w- know. W- weren't you trained by Mickey Mouse? <laughs> Well, sort of, yeah. I actually went and I'm, I'm an alumni of the Disney Institute. What, which, what, what's the Disney Institute? Well, the Disney Institute is kind of like it's a business school mm-hmm. that Disney run and you can go over there and study various things like customer experience and uh, uh, I went over there and actually studied organisational creativity because right. I've always been interested in that space and I also knew quite a few people over in Disney. So, yeah, I went over there and studied for a bit and I've still got my certificate and, and they gave me a mortarboard, you know, those things when you graduate. <laughs> Fabulous, that you threw up in the air. Yeah, yeah, but it's of Mickey Mouse ears, oh. and but you had to the little tussle that hangs down, and you know you meant to take it from the right to the left or whatever. So I remember my my ceremony when I graduated. Mickey Mouse was there and gave me my mortarboard ears, and right. I had to. You said yeah. then uh, organisational creativity yep. in a way that sounds like an oxymoron. Isn't creativity boundless and have no constraints on them? And and organisational sounds very fit in a box. Well, this is a very interesting comment and I'm glad that you've asked it. Creativity does have this reputation, especially in Australia, right? Uh, Not so much overseas, but of, you know, people with ponytails who throw paint around a room. (laughs) And and it's not, you know, creativity. I think we should replace it with creative thinking. Mm -hmm. However, having said that, Creativity is actually incredibly structured and it needs structure to thrive. You know, an artist knows his trade. A writer knows the rules of writing. So creativity is very structured. And there is this illusion that if you're going to come up with an idea, you sit in a room and just throw ideas around. Mm, Until one sticks. Yeah, but the problem is with that, and, and that's easy to do, but ideas are a complete waste of time unless they solve a problem or they, they solve a market gap or a gap in your own processes or, you know, unless an idea actually does something of value, especially in business, if it doesn't add to your bottom line, forget it. Mm. And, and I think with organisational creativity, that is about building a culture and a process that allows creative thinking to thrive in a company but make sure it is actually directed mm. at, at bottom line outcomes because mm-hmm. otherwise you're just an artist and you've got a hobby. So you started life as a, in the creativity speaking space, but you've evolved into this game of inches. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that story of how you got to game of inches and do you think the creativity background helped you morph into the game of inches uh, philosophy? Look, absolutely, and I think they overlap quite a bit. So the way that I, I got into the game of inches uh, philosophy, if you like, which is small steps making big happen, is I went on this outback tour on my motorbike and I actually went in search of creative people so I could – help people think more creatively but I came back having interviewed you know hundreds of different people now seeing patterns in what they do in business just went out to discover one thing and ended up discovering something else and I think that's one of the beauties about creativity and what I learned in that space is that often the best ideas or the best strategies or or the best opportunities in life come through complete serendipity right Um, however you have to be open to that when a door opens, you've got to be brave enough to see it open and then step through. And I, I do think my background in creativity was really helpful because I've always been inquisitive. I've always been very curious. 
I've, I haven't been scared of taking a risk, mm. you know. So, and it was a risk at the time when you look back on it. Oh, just on that, Nigel, can you yep. give an example from one of the businesses you actually discovered on your road trip? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's tons. So, so probably the best example of all is a is a company in South Australia, just south of the Flinders Ranges, called Kelly Engineering, and in essence, they make agricultural farming equipment, and they they now export their license or they've got licensees all over the planet. So they're a massively successful organisation. Um, but they have a process every week where they get their leaders in their organisation, so the guy in distribution, the person who runs the front office, whoever, to get together and go, what, what gaps, what little things have they discovered in their part of the business that if they actually improved would, would be of benefit to them, mm. to the business and their customers? And one of the examples he told me was the, the guy in the paint shop one day was looking at the forklift coming in to get the green paint, which was their most used colour. And, you know, the paint was at the back of the warehouse and he had to move a couple of pallets or go around some empty boxes. And he thought, well, it's a waste of time. What if I move the green paint closer to the door? Mm. And he had actually measured it because you kind of go, well, what's innovative about that, right? They measured the time it took the forklift to get in when the paint was at the back of the shed. And then they moved the pallets closer to the door and then they measured the time again. And it was only a matter of seconds, right, every trip. Yeah. However, when they worked out how many trips that forklift made over a day, a week, over a year, and then they amortised it out, it actually equated to the same amount of time it takes to build one and a half of these units. Right. And these things sell, you know, close to six figures kind of there. Yeah, right. right. So it's one little change actually adds, you know, 100 grand to a bottom line. And is the point that this company has the mindset to have this regular review of what can we do better and they don't have to blow us off the boardroom table, they just need to be small incremental steps? Yeah, yeah, and there's two things there. One, it is a mindset because most organisations are missing that stuff because they're focused on the big, hairy, audacious, you know, the next big thing. And they miss the little things that are right under their noses that are actually really profitable. But you also need to have a process to allow it to happen because no one wants to innovate, right? It's, we're all too busy. No one wants to be creative because it's a bad word, right? But I will make my life easier. If I can trim a process or give myself more time or make just my part of my work easier, I'll fight tooth and nail to do it. And mm. that in turn benefits the company. So what these guys do that's so clever, the guy that runs it, Shane Kelly, he's, he is chasing the big vision and the big goals because he owns the company. He's out there breaking new markets. He also understands he's not going to see those things in the paint shop. Right. Because he, he just – but the guy in the paint shop does. Yes. So he gives him permission and a process and the culture in order to make it happen. So let's bring all of that experience over, over a number of years to your speaking now. Yep. On stage, what do we as a listener, as, as someone in the room with you, get from you? I think you get two things, three things. Uh, hopefully you get entertained because yep. uh, that's my background. I think unless – Clearly because of the home and away thing. That's Obviously. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and the Hugo Weaving <laughs> – I'm sure he doesn't remember me. Naked um, moment. <laughs> I just thought I'd drop some names, by the way. Good. Um, <laughs> but I think to you, speaking, speaking is such a great medium live, right, because what it does, it allows you to engage people and to connect with people. And I think in the world as it is now, you know, we're often disengaged. You know, speaking is one of those opportunities for a real interaction mm. to happen. And as a speaker, you know, we have that opportunity to change people's thinkings and their behaviours. So in essence, there's two things, I guess. The, f- the first one is change a mindset from success is big, explosive, one-off moments, yep. uh, that it's an overnight success. And the media tends to propagate that. Yeah. It's actually not true. So, you know, part of what you'll get is a shift in mindset of understanding how important the little things are, mm. you know, that on a very real, tangible basis. 
I've seen you in flight, and one of the things that really impressed me in your presentation is that you do leave us with an action or a call to action yep. for every delegate who's been in the room. Can you expand on that? Yeah, I think it's really important to take action on, on something. It's nice to hear a speaker. Uh, it's nice to be a speaker and get the round of applause. But at the end of the day, what we do is change behaviours in mm. many, many ways. So I think it's really important to be pragmatic and to give practical tips and advice. I mean, that's just the sort of person I am. So I always love to end a keynote getting people to think about what's this one thing they can do that will, will make a difference that they can adopt. Because the reality is, uh, if you listen to a, a speaker or you go to a conference, you'll walk away with six or seven things that you intend to do. Mm. But we're all busy and customers need attending and the world moves on. And we, you know, if you walk away thinking, I'll do three or four things, you probably won't do mm. any of them. Yeah. But what if you just chose one thing? Don't make it big, just one little thing, just an inch. Mm. Yeah. Because you can do that, right? Yeah. And just do that one thing. In my experience, once you've seen many a speaker, your head is swimming, actually. It's full of ideas and motivations and so on. But you have a way of distilling that into some silence and focus. And you put it to them. Just do one thing. Yeah, it's like a big funnel. Yeah. You know, at the top of the funnel, all the ideas that you've heard. But at the end of the day, unless you do something with it, nothing will ever happen. One of the most inspiring people I've ever met was a, an elderly gentleman. I was going to say old guy, but someone once pulled me up for that. <laughs> but I met an old guy. Him and his mate were riding push bikes through the desert, and he was 75 years old. And at night, they'd sort of camp by the side of the road. And, and I remember asking him, why are you doing this? Is it for charity or something? You yeah. know, you're raising money for cancer? Because you kind of see that, but yeah. not often. Yeah. And 75 years old. And he, he, I remember, I'll never forget it. He went, no, 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 we just like riding our push bikes a long way, so we thought it would be a good thing to do. <laughs> and it's kind of like, what's your excuse for not doing stuff? Right. And they didn't think about it or ruminate or have committee meetings. They just did it. They just did it, yeah. But they just did it one step at a time. You know, like each morning they'd go, how are you feeling? How's the knee? Mm. And they just, you would have heard this, but I love to finish my, my presentations with, you know, this question. Because in my own world, my own business now, when I'm at that point of, will I do that? Will I not do that? Oh, will I bother to come in to do a podcast interview? Or will I just go to the airport, relax in the lounge? What if Tyler Fisher was here? Correct. Then you'd come in, wouldn't you? Uh, maybe. Mm. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I didn't know how to respond to that. Anyway, but it's kind of like, will I do it? Will I not do it? Now I literally I literally ask myself, what would Dennis do? Because the yeah. guy's name was Dennis. Oh, great. Yeah. And Dennis would have done it. He would have just got on his bike and made it happen. And Carson, I think, we've got to interview Dennis. Yeah, we'll have to try and find it, we'll Dennis. Do that. And, and well, he's out there own, somewhere, yeah. Own merchandise yeah. line coming out. What would Dennis do? T-shirts, <laughs> they're available. Uh, that is true. Do it. Yeah, yeah. What would Dennis yeah. and coffee mugs, I think, will be the next thing. Has yeah. there been a gig in your experience that uh, really sticks in your mind for one reason or another? Oh, look, there's there's a lot, but I think – one of them that really stood out for me was it was actually I was in America, um, well, it was actually Canada in Calgary last year when I did the Game of Inches thing. And afterwards I got this email because you can never quite know what happens after. Sure. And I got this email from a guy and it was when the floods in America happened in, in sort of the southern states. Anyway, this guy had an AV company and I was talking about gaps, you know, finding those little gaps and if you address a gap. And I got this email from him saying, hey, look, I loved your presentation and the whole gap thing got me thinking that, you know, during the, the storms we lost a lot of business and there was all these people who couldn't get supplies and we had all these empty trucks that weren't being used mm. and I saw, wow, there's a gap. And so he donated his drivers in his trucks to ship all these supplies down to these people who were flooded. And, and that has really stood out for yeah, me because yeah. it's, it's nice to know that in some kind of tiny little way – that, that maybe I influenced that or played some kind of part in that. Fantastic. And so it's not really the moment you get on stage. Or I, I, I do like that. I like the liveness, yes. the spontaneity of it. 
But it's those moments afterwards when you get an email or someone comes and gives you a hug and, you know, someone sent me a LinkedIn thing the other day saying, I've read both your books and, I, you know, I've finally taken the step and started my own business and it's going great guns. And you go, "Terrific! that's really cool. Yeah, that's great. That's really, really cool. On the lighter side, I mean, what's one of the most embarrassing moments you've had or most entertaining moments you've actually had <laughs> while you've been on stage? Wow, one of the most embarrassing that's kind of an interesting question and I, I actually don't know the answer to that, to be honest, because there's, there's been lots of them. <laughs> well, just, um, just, just one. <laughs> Some would say because there's been none. Yeah. But well, no, Nigel no, says because no, Okay, hang on. That's good. Let's be honest about that. I'm a person. Like, we're all people and we stuff up and yeah. we make mistakes. And it's, right. it's, you know, as an MC, my biggest fear is, is introducing someone under the wrong name. Yes. yes. Um, and I remember years, years and years ago, I was doing an awards night, but it was for regional China, um, and they were having these awards in Sydney. And they sat me down that afternoon and they went through all the different names of all the provinces and right, right, right. tried to teach me Chinglish, you know. Yeah. And I went, oh, and they were lovely about it. I said, look, I really apologise in advance. And so I did my opening sort of presentation, you know, and, and then I, we went into the awards part of the night. There was about 30 awards. It just kept going, you know. And about halfway through the evening, everybody stood up and applauded and clapped and <laughs> cheered. Right. And I went, oh. That's and it, it was the only one I got right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure that is just one very small blip on a very successful career. You said one of the things you like to do is entertain, and anyone listening to the last 20 minutes or so has certainly been entertained. Nigel, you've got a great energy and a great message just to take it step by step and do something. And as I said, you leave your delegates with this call to action, and not every speaker does that. Thanks so much for giving us your time today. Oh, guys, no, thanks very much. I loved it, and um, invoices in the mail. Indeed. <laughs> thanks, Nigel. If you want to find more about Nigel Collin, go to the World Wide Web at nigelcollin.com.au. You've been listening to Carson White from Leading Voice and your MC Michael Pope with Our Next Guest Is. More guests can be found through iTunes or just visit www.ournextguestis.com.au. But until next time, let's take a break.